somewhere in space. This may all be happening right now. Welcome to Star Wars at the Movies. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. At the Movies. An international oral history of cinematic experiences from a galaxy far, far away. I've seen Star Wars about a dozen times. I've seen Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Seventeen times. Star Wars. Uh, Forty times, and it was great each time. And in About fifty-seven times. Soixante-neuf fois. You can never get too much of Star Wars. I. I've seen the first Star Wars 153 times. All together, we have seen Star Wars 324 times. We've been here for six days and it's great! Hello there. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Star Wars at the Movies podcast. My name's Stephen Danley, and for this round, we're returning stateside with a visit to my home state of California. But before we get there, imagine yourself in the back seat of the family station wagon rolling into town with the 1977 school year finally coming to an end, and you hear this on the radio. Don't be alarmed. It's only the death breath of the Dark Lord. Don't be scared. It's only an Imperial cruiser making the jump to light speed. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Now, if you had never heard of Star Wars, how exactly would you process that? I mean, what parent wouldn't find the death breath of the Dark Lord at least fairly alarming? And what exactly is an Imperial cruiser, anyway? Are we really supposed to relax with this cryptic, ominous information? Well, maybe another ad might clear things up and lighten the mood a bit. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Don't be scared. It's only the Death Star destroying another world. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present... Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Well, maybe not. Who mentions the destruction of worlds so casually, even if it's only a movie? If the tone of these early radio spots for the film strikes you as a bit odd now, there's no telling how it must have struck potential moviegoers on their commutes in 1977. If anyone remembers hearing them for the first time, I'd love to know. As it turns out, there was a reason for that feeling of uneasiness and uncertainty. Here's the man behind the voice of these original Star Wars radio ads briefly recalling the experience. They came to me and they said, we got this director who's making us nuts. Just driving us crazy. He can't decide how he wants to promote. If you'll work with us on spec, when he makes his mind up on what he wants, what he wants, we'll, we'll see that you get a piece of the action. I said, okay. So we started working literally seven days a week trying to do it. He couldn't decide where he wanted a comedy, whether he wanted an adventure, whether he wanted it dark, whether he wanted it light, whether he wanted it romance. He just couldn't decide. And finally, we hit on what it was that George Lucas wanted for Star Wars. If that voice sounds familiar, there's also a good reason for that. 
For those like me that grew up in the late 80s and early 90s, you may know him from something like this. Three years ago, we took you on a magical journey under the sea. Last year, we took you to a place where a beautiful girl looked into the heart of a beast and found the man of her dreams. Now, come with us and enter a whole new world beyond your imagination where a boy discovers a magic lamp and a genie who can make all his dreams come true. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. This was the trademark voice that narrated ads for Disney films from the mid-80s to the early 2000s. But others may know him from this kind of fare. At last, a warm, sensitive, touching story about the close personal relationship between a man and a woman, between a trucker and his dog. Fred, I'm so damn tired of picking you up. I got to Fred. Between a father no way. and his son. No way that you could come from my loins. And how they all took to the road one day for a quiet little drive in the country. Georgia to Texas and back in 28 hours flat with a truckload of bootleg beer. That man's name is Mark Elliott, and his work as a voiceover artist has been heard for decades by ears over the radio and in theaters from Des Moines to Cleveland to Detroit to San Francisco to Los Angeles and beyond. After DJing his way across the country, he eventually broadened his sights to recording for film and television promotional campaigns, with his first being Smokey and the Bandit. His next job happened to be Star Wars, and it sounds like he experienced a sense of desperation for feedback from George Lucas, similar to the one that the film's cast often speaks of, albeit lovingly. The cast of Star Wars makes an 18th attempt to escape from the Death Star. Okay, cut. Cut it. And, 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 but, under the small green fourth moon of Yavin, there is quite a different story. <laughs> Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present Star Wars. Luke Skywalker is on a daring mission to rescue a beautiful princess, and all he needs is a little help from his friends. Han Solo, space pirate, and Chewie, his giant Wookiee, C-3PO, human relations cyborg, and his counterpart R2-D2, and the mysterious Jedi Knight. Never before in the history of movies has so much time and technology been spent just for fun. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. And... The Mysterious Jedi Knight. And The Mysterious Jedi Knight. <laughs> Even though the copy on this one spells things out a bit more, you can just feel Elliot's bewilderment as he's reading it. 
I love that, because just like everyone else, he had no idea what was coming. All right, time to head up north of San Francisco to Sonoma County, and in particular, the town of Petaluma. This concludes the broadcast day of KTOB in Petaluma, California. Sonoma County and Petaluma happen to be very special places to me, as they've been the crossroads where some of my favorite people and things have intersected over the past few years. Some very close family friends live in nearby Santa Rosa, and we've shared many a good beer at Petaluma's Lagunitas Brewery. And as many Star Wars and Lucasfilm aficionados might know, this charming city also happens to be the home of several key locations from American Graffiti, as well as a little museum by the name of Rancho Obi-Wan. There's a connection to the latter that you'll soon hear more about, but first, a bit of the usual scene setting. In a broader sense, the key memory from this episode's interview takes place at a drive-in theater. Namely, the former Parkway Drive-In that once stood on Petaluma Boulevard. It's interesting to imagine drive-ins as a once-flourishing form of theatrical exhibition, especially when you realize just how far back they go. The first was reportedly opened in 1933, and with the advent of in-car speakers coming into the picture in the 40s, and the proliferation of the post-war family automobile, there were over 4,000 drive-ins in the U.S. by 1958. Two were in Sonoma County, with three more to come. Get more out of life. Come often and bring your family to our drive-in theater. There's plenty of time before the movie starts, so visit our snack bar right now for Castleberry's pit-cooked barbecue sandwiches. Man, I don't know if you ever paid attention to what the food looks like in these old drive-in concession ads, but they are nasty. There's something right about it, though. Anyway, Star Wars really is the perfect drive-in movie. I really envy those kids that got to see it that way in the summers of the late 70s, especially when I compare that hypothetical experience of yesteryear with my own first trip to a drive-in, which, by ill fate, was to see the ridiculous John Woo action movie Broken Arrow on a trip to New Mexico in 1996. I say, God damn, what a rush! There is an explanation for that sad story, as the local drive-in in my hometown of Santa Barbara had sat vacant through all of my childhood. Thankfully, though, I was able to heal that wound with a viewing of The Force Awakens over the 2015 holidays after it became the revived West Wind drive-in. All was right, but to get back to the time and place at hand, at least sort of chronologically, the movie-going experience in Sonoma County has been predominantly helmed by one family for nearly 95 years. The Takinis got their start in the movie theater business in Santa Rosa in the 1920s when husband and wife Daniel and Maria moved into town from San Francisco. From showing the first talkies in Santa Rosa at the Strand and running the Rose, Empire, and Roxy to the nearby El Rey and Annalie in Sebastopol, the Takini name was a mainstay in the region's cinematic landscape. Their son, Dan Jr., like his father before him, would go on to run numerous movie houses in the Sonoma County area after inheriting the family business in 1957, and he's still at it with his company, SR Entertainment. One of those venues was Petaluma's Parkway Drive-In, which opened in August 1958 to great success, and that's where my guest and good friend Dwayne Smith's story comes into play. Dwayne is genuinely one of the nicest and well-rounded people, let alone Star Wars fans I know. From serving as a docent at Steve Sansweet's Rancho Obi-Wan and donning a certain Dark Lord's getup as a member of the 501st, to wearing the most inspired vintage Kenner-themed costume ever known to humankind, he epitomizes the best things about fandom. Okay, before going any further, I'd better give an explanation of the aforementioned costume, as it's brought up in the interview but always deserves more attention. 
Back at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim in 2015, my friend and Kivecast co-host Sky and I were throwing our second Star Wars Collector's Archive party charity event, and one of the headliners was a vintage-themed costume contest. That night, the most action-figure-accurate representation of Hammerhead, complete with the shifty eyes and a teal mansuit, <laughs> and for more on the origin of that terminology, be sure to check out episode 26 of the Kivecast. He arrived on the scene and stole the show, even making it onto the official Star Wars social media feed. And unbeknownst to most everyone in attendance at the party and the convention, that man in a man suit was none other than Dwayne. So, a few last pieces of movie theater context. In addition to his recollections of the long-gone Parkway drive-in that met at Senate in 1986, Dwayne also mentioned several other theaters where he experienced the trilogy's prime. One of which was the then United Artists 6, which opened in Santa Rosa in December of 1976 as the city's first multiplex with six new, quote, ultra-modern theaters. A large, stark, brick-colored concrete block on the outside, the interior was more inviting with slanted redwood ceilings, skylights, living trees, and color-coded tickets and doorways to the corresponding auditoriums. It's still running today as a second-run theater, but now it's known as the 3rd Street Cinema 6, and it's operated by none other than the Takini's SR Entertainment. Another is the Raven Film Center, a small four-screen first-run theater in Healdsburg that was taken over and revived in 2006 by, you guessed it, the Takini's. Like so many other areas, Sonoma County's movie-going scene has changed a lot over the years, but it's nice to see the consistency and dedication of a family name as a through-line. My guest, Dwayne, is just as dedicated to Star Wars. With that, let's hit the feature presentation. And now for our feature presentation. I was uh, I was born in 1973, so uh, I was the uh, third of uh, three kids. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was the baby of the family, and uh, I was raised in uh, the Bay Area, about 60 miles north of uh, San Francisco, in a town called Windsor, and uh, grew up there. And uh, and I got an older brother and an older sister. Prior to Star Wars comes, I get kind of uh, kind of hazy because I was such a, a young kid when when. When I saw the film, but prior to Star Wars, uh, my interests were in uh, Batman and uh, Robin. My my older brother was a, a Batman fan. I was his uh, his little tag along, his little uh, Robin or his little Joker, whatever the case may be. Did you guys watch the uh, the TV series? We did watch the TV series, yeah. And he had the little Batmobile, kind of a, a scooter car that he rode, uh, and I got to ride it as well. Uh, oh, better put five cents in the meter. No policeman is going to give the Batmobile a ticket. No matter, Robin. This money goes toward building better roads. We all must do our part. Good citizenship, you know. Holy taxation. 
You're right again, Batman. But uh, yeah, that was that was my my memory before Star Wars. But once Star Wars came in, that was uh, that instantly became my thing. He wasn't. Uh, he was more interested at that time into Hot Wheels and, and cars and trucks, and I was much more into uh, Star Wars and action figures. How did you first become aware of Star Wars, and what about it caught your interest? I don't remember any of the, the media attention going on around Star Wars. I just remember, uh, you know, because it came out uh, in, in May of 77, and I'm sure we probably saw it as a family that summer sometime, but I don't remember any of the hype Mm-hmm. Or any of that beforehand, I just remember uh, going and uh, just being absolutely captivated by it and uh, really drawn to it and uh, went on to see it uh, several more times that year. Was there any particular theater or, or experience that really stands out in your memory? Uh, yeah, I, uh, one of the my fondest memories of actually seeing it was uh, my brother had won uh, tickets to go see uh, the San Francisco Giants baseball team, and my mother presented me with the the option of seeing Star Wars or <laughs> going and seeing the Giants with uh, with the family. And uh, you know, in, in my mind, I couldn't understand what I didn't make the connection with what the Giants were. You know, as far as being a baseball <laughs> team, I was just thinking, well, that sounds absolutely terrifying. So, uh, <laughs> so, so the option of going and seeing Star Wars, and, and ultimately it was with my my aunt who lived in uh, Petaluma. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, so presenting the option of, of going and seeing it with her sounded much better. So my family dropped me off at uh, at her house, and she loaded me up in her uh, her blazer and uh, took me to the, the Parkway Drive-In Movie Theater in Petaluma. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sat on the bench seat of the, of the, uh, the truck and leaned over on the dashboard and, and uh, watched Star Wars. And that still stays with me today as, as, a, as a fond memory of, of getting to see it, so... Yeah, so that that must have been kind of in the tail end of the summer then, if the Giants were still playing, but you'd, you'd right. been out for a while? It had probably already been out a while, yeah. I'd seen it several times, and uh, so it was probably, yeah, late, uh, probably even into, uh, you know, September or something like that, possibly, you know, late yeah. in the season. Well, I'll, I'll say, as a, a Southern California native, you made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm still uh, a Giants fan, though. I did figure I out who the Giants were, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and uh, I made my, my choice back then, what I preferred, yeah. uh, and... and uh, <laughs> So yeah, I still still am uh, probably a more diehard Star Wars fan than anything, but uh, <laughs> the San Francisco Giants definitely come in second. So yeah. So did you ever did you go to that drive-in theater often, or was this kind of a one-time thing with Star Wars, or, or were there any other Petaluma or uh, Windsor-based theaters that you went to a lot? Yeah, well, there was. Uh, yeah, there. I didn't. Uh, I probably went to that a few times, and I think by the mid '80s it had shut down, and by the uh, mid-90s they had completely torn apart and and tore the screen down and they built a golf driving range and that's what still sits there at that uh that location today but as far as getting to see it at other places yeah no windsor didn't have a theater but uh the surrounding towns did santa rosa healdsburg um so uh and of course it was playing everywhere that that year so i did get to see it at uh the like the ua6 in Santa Rosa and the Raven Theater in, in Hillsburg. I can still remember seeing it at those locations. So, And I think, you know, I can distinctly remember seeing it like four times, but I think I bragged to everybody at school that I saw it eight. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure uh, if it's, it's probably somewhere in between, between four and, and eight times getting to see that. 
That's, so. that's pretty good. I'd say that yeah. that's a, probably a common number for uh, yeah. kids of that summer. Right. And then as far as films go, I mean, we didn't get to, I mean, as a family, you know, it was probably, it was a pretty special occasion to get to go see a movie. So yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe once every other month or something like that, or if, uh, you know, if we knew a good film was coming out, we'd go see it. So uh, yeah. otherwise we just wait for it to come on TV. Everyone has a very similar, I think, broad initial reaction to Star Wars, but in terms of your early impressions of it, were there any particular moments or scenes that really stood out to you from the start? Yeah, you know, the, the moment that, that sticks out with me, uh, even to this day, and, and it was just something that really struck a chord with me. Of course, I liked all the action of the film and, and the creatures and the, you know, the, the space, uh, you know, uh, just the fact that they were in space. But, uh, you know, the, the scene that sticks with me is when, when Luke's doing the trench run, the part where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi starts talking to him. I could just remember in my mind thinking, wait a second, Obi-Wan's dead. How, how is he talking to Luke? And in my mind, I, I just had this, like, this epiphany that I was watching something that was pretend. You know, this was something that was coming out of somebody else's imagination. I think that's, you know, that inspired me as a kid to think, you know, to realize that, you know, it is okay to, to, to dream and to, to pretend and to come up with your own, you know, fantasy adventures yeah uh, it's it's interesting so. that you're 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 um mentioning that that kind of break in in reality almost but I, I feel like at least it was for me growing up like star wars just felt absolutely real and believable you know when you're watching it you don't really necessarily uh it doesn't ever break that barrier and it's it's interesting that you bring that up with yeah. that kind of opening your mind to your own creativity and, and imagination that's that's great So when did you get to see Empire Strikes Back for the first time? Uh, yeah, well, you know, at that time, I was, by that time I was seven, so mm -hmm. uh, a little older, and, uh, but had no idea what a sequel was. You know, I left Star Wars never imagining there was going to be another, another film coming out. Yeah, but yeah, 1980 rolled around, and, and here came Empire Strikes Back, and uh, I went into that just absolutely confused <laughs> because I had no idea what was going on. Uh, you know, the whole idea. In fact, when Luke's hanging there, you know, I totally bought into the fact that, you know, there are, there are snow lizards and wampas, but, uh, you know, Luke's hanging in the ice cave and he reaches down and, and draws that saber to his hand. And I thought, <laughs> well, that doesn't seem possible. How do you do that? You know, and I, it was just, I didn't understand at that point what the force was, even though I'd, I'd watched, uh, you know, Star Wars, I still didn't grasp what was going on. But, uh, you know, later, you know, Yoda kind of explained it to me and, and uh, I, I got up to speed with what the force what what the force is yeah i feel like that's something that I, a lot of people may have taken for or take for granted now is that that huge jump in the mythology between star wars and empire where all of a sudden i just remember thinking when you see luke in this second film he has 
developed some insane powers, which seems like overnight. And it's definitely something that to have it happen right off the bat. Um, yeah. It just, uh, it really kind of sets the tone for the whole thing. And, and yeah, the whole, uh, you know, explanation and exploration of it through the rest of the movie is, it's just crazy how far it, it takes things in terms of development. And, you know, I think, yeah, looking back at it now, you really just, it, you just take it for granted, but it was such a huge leap. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can remember, you know, I, I know I love the movie. Uh, I bought all the toys, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I remember just leaving the theater in the back of the car, you know, just telling my mom, I'm so confused. What's, you know, <laughs> is Darth Vader really his, you know, uh, Luke's, Luke's uh, father? And, you know, my mother says, uh, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> you know, because I just assumed, I mean, it's got to be, he's a bad guy. He's got to be lying, you know. And and my mom's like, no, if, you know, he's not going to, you know, that's that's part of the film. I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's how it's, how it is. <laughs> and, uh and I asked her, I said, but, you know, Yoda's talking about another, you know, who do you think that is? And my mom said, oh, it's Leia. It's got to be Leia. You know, she knew. And uh, so. Yeah. Mother's intuition. Right. Mom, yeah. Yeah. Mom, moms are moms are right. So. <laughs> that's funny. I, I like the uh, just the matter of factness about it all. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's how. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's pretty good at the at film plots and, and <laughs> figuring things out. So. Do you do you remember where you saw Empire? Was that was that back in Petaluma or Santa Rosa? No, that would have been that would have been in Santa Rosa. The Santa Rosa. Uh, the UA UA six that was the, the UA six or the UA five. Those were the two two central theaters in Santa Rosa. That, mm-hmm. And I don't remember going to multiple, seeing it multiple times. I think it might have been just just uh, just the once. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. pretty intense then. Yeah. So how did you uh, how did you pass the time between between Empire and Jedi? Uh, with action figures <laughs> and Star Wars toys. Yeah, I can say that, that. I guess it gets to the, the next question. Is uh, it right. seems like you had the the uh, inclination to take the movie home with you. I'm, I'm sure. Like a lot of lot of kids, you know, of that generation, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, I can remember being in kindergarten, and uh, you know, a kid showed up with a stormtrooper and a Han Solo, and as soon as I saw those, I went, "Oh, I've got to get those." So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, birthdays and Christmases between uh, seventy eight and eighty five. That's I mean eight years of of my childhood. That was uh, nothing but getting uh, you know uh, action figures, play sets, and and uh, spaceships. And uh, and you're still you're still an active collector now. So um, it seems like you're you're one of those that that it really has stuck with you. It really has. Yeah, I mean there there was that that dark time from 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 eighty five to to ninety five where where nothing was going on, but. Uh, yeah, I was I was bit by the bug again in '95, and and uh, still collected this day. More so, you know, the the vintage stuff is, yeah. is really where my interest. I, I I did get into some of the modern stuff for a while, but uh, uh, there's just so much of it that uh, <laughs> I've had to pull the reins back and and uh, and stick with what we're you know with a focus, and and that's where my passion is. It's really with the old vintage stuff, whether it's you know anything. Uh, Kinner related or uh, anything that just uh, from that that time period that uh, that speaks to me, uh, yeah. I need to acquire it. <laughs> yeah. So going back to uh, when you saw Return of the Jedi, was that the same situation? You guys hadn't hadn't really moved. You'd stayed in that that general area near Santa Rosa. That's correct. Yeah. And and by this time, I you know I knew what a sequel was. You know, mm-hmm. I was ten years old and uh, just you know could not wait. I mean the 
the the uh, the media attention that was going on before it, the hype. You know, I was fully bought into it and wanted to go opening day. And I think it opened on a school day, so I you know I wasn't able to go. A friend of mine at school, his parents pulled him out of school to go see it, oh, and man. I was so so jealous. <laughs> and uh, so, but I, I I believe I got to see it open that opening weekend because I can remember standing out the long line, standing out front, and and uh, just not able to contain myself, waiting in line, just being so uh, so excited to be able to see that that movie. So what were your what was your take on it as a ten year old? Oh, you know, well, being ten, I mean, I still bought into the Ewoks. Those were still <laughs> yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bought into everything. I thought the whole thing was just, uh, you know, amazing. I wasn't too the whole thing with the the Vader reveal. No disrespect to Sebastian Shaw, but pulling off the helmet and and uh, seeing him, that pasty old guy, being Darth Vader, just did not <laughs> did not work for me. But other than that, uh, you know, it's it stands as probably one of my favorite Star Wars films. You were right. You were right about me. Once that's over and there weren't any real prospects of, of films coming out, I guess you really must have had to savor being able to see it. Did you get to see any of the re-releases for any of the films when they were coming out in the 80s? Not in the I think no, no. I mean, I, I can remember the, uh, you know, I mean, I kept collecting the toys until, you know, that kind of died off in, in 85 you know, and I think by the time the Ewok films came out, you know, I can remember watching those and just not not feeling it so much. Uh, yeah, I, I was getting a little too old, I think, for, for it. But, you know, as far as the, you know, the impact of it, that, that remained with me. The, the, the toys, the collectibles, the T-shirts, the lunchboxes, you know, all of that got saved. You know, I never tossed it. In fact, when the neighborhood kids were getting out of Star Wars, you know, I was trading extra stuff I had, you know, to, to get their, their AT-ATs and their Millennium Falcons, all their toys that they were getting rid of. You know, I was trading bike parts and, and uh, lunch money, whatever, to, to, acquire, to acquire that stuff. So I made some pretty good deals. Yeah, you were the the Star Wars repository of the time. right, right, right. And I still am. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. A lot of that, yeah. I think that that never really leaves collectors. Right. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did Star Wars maintain an influence on your life after the movies had left theaters, and what part did those original movie going experiences play in that? I went into a career in in law enforcement out of, mm-hmm. after college, and uh, and my. In my spare time, I was a, a volunteer firefighter. So those are both two uh, worlds where you're getting to kind of experience the, the worst of humanity. And, uh, you know, and a lot of drama and, it, and all of that kind of weighs heavy on the, you know, on the mind and, and spirit. And I think that Star Wars was always kind of my, my escape, you know, that I could, it was something that I could put work and life aside. And uh, it was my little... Uh, my little escape, my little therapeutic recharge that I could get from time to time. Yeah, so. absolutely. And uh, in, in terms of you know continuing fandom, uh, I know you're you volunteered at Rancho Obi Wan for a while. How how did that come about, and how long have you been doing that? Yeah, no, that's something I, I really enjoy. In fact, uh, you know, I've always I was brought up, you know, with the importance of, of, of volunteering, uh, and uh, you know, I believe you know you you get what you give in life finding avenues to to do that and to kind of do that within my passion of Star Wars uh I've discovered both you know volunteering with with Ranch Obi-Wan and with the uh, the 501st 
but as far as Rancho Obi-Wan goes, yeah, I, I started, in fact, uh, you and I went on a tour there with the uh, the vintage California Vintage uh, yep. Collectors back in 2012. So, yeah, one, one thing has, has led to another, and uh, I've helped, started helping them with, with uh, smaller projects to begin with and then bigger projects. And uh, two years ago, I uh, became a docent, so I'm, I'm giving tours now. Oh, on a, uh, about once fantastic. a month, I'm, I'm there uh, uh, giving tours to the public and uh, sharing Star Wars and, and all of uh, Steve Sansweet's great collection. But besides that, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, dusting and vacuuming and, uh, <laughs> you know, getting to uh, move boxes from one place to another place. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, it's a great group of people to be involved with, and, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been a great group to, to work with. Yeah, I mean, they, they really are some of the, the greatest Star Wars yeah. people, let alone just people people that, that I've, I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And it's awesome to see that you're among their ranks now. It's really great. And so with, with the 501st, when did that start for you? It started probably in 2000, 2012, 2011, actually. Okay. And yeah, I, if you would have asked me in 2010 if I'd ever consider it, I would have told you no. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, something struck a chord with me that uh, yeah. wanting to try something new. And again, that, that, that volunteer aspect of it, I think, really right. appealed to me. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm 6'4". Uh, a little too big to be a stormtrooper. Uh, lends lends, it to, lends yourself to a particular character. It does lend yourself to a particular character. That's right. And we're all, we only do bad guys in the five hundred first. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I made it my mission to build a Darth Vader costume. So are you uh, are you the only Vader in the area? No, there's uh, there's actually uh, probably another four or five of us in okay. in the garrison. So okay. uh, we which is good because you want to you know we have a lot of events going on throughout the year and if there's going to be an event you definitely want to have Darth Vader there. So, uh, but I've gotten to to take part in some pretty cool uh, activities and events uh, under the dome. So yeah, I follow your, your Instagram feed and there are just some just some awesome pictures of you out and about. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, that, that's that's the other fun part about it is that. Uh, you know, being inside the costume, you don't get to see how darn cool it looks. And uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, anytime I can walk by a, a, you know, a window or something like that and see the reflection and say, wow, that, you know, that's Darth Vader, you know, or, or <laughs> somebody snaps a picture and I can look at it afterwards. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, the, being inside the costume is, is actually pretty miserable. It's, it's hot <laughs> and uncomfortable. But uh, getting to see the expression on people's faces and uh, and see what it means to people to be able to go to these different events and and uh, you know uh, bring some joy to some other people's lives is yeah uh, pretty pretty amazing. No, it's so. it's such a refreshing thing to see. And whenever I see your pictures, I'm always reminded of the classic Vader appearances that they used to do for movie promotions. I was just wondering if if you ever happened to see one of those when you were growing up. Were there any of those kind of in-person appearances around you guys? I am so jealous of anybody that got to experience that. You know, <laughs> and growing up in the Bay Area, I know that uh, you know right Lucasfilm's backyard. I know they were doing events around me and how i missed out on any of those i don't know but no i never got to see uh uh, uh one of the uh the costume vaders uh, at any particular event so well you're you're definitely making up for it now so i am i am making good. up for it now that's for sure yeah so are you planning to come out to star wars celebration in chicago next year uh too soon to tell i don't okay. know we'll have to okay. wait and see 
So yeah. uh, I would uh, I would love to be able to go to another celebration. I've had such a great time at uh, past celebrations, and yeah. uh, I would certainly hate to miss it. But uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, you you have probably at least in the vintage uh, collecting community the most famous cosplay <laughs> costume. And so many people, so many people say, "Who was that guy in the hammerhead suit?" And it's just, it, uh, I don't know. I, I'll always remember the joy in seeing you walk up in that outfit. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, and you know, I've got you and Sky to thank for that. You know, you guys coming up with that idea uh, when you announced that you were doing that. I uh, said, "Well, gosh, you know, that's something that I could, I could do." So I've got to try something, and you know, I thought, and I've always been a hammerhead fan, and I said, "Boy, you know." <laughs> This is a contest with 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 these guys. I've got to go big. I can't just you know uh, yeah. I can't just go take the easy way out and do a you know a Han Solo or a Luke Skywalker or bring my Darth Vader costume. That wouldn't have been. <laughs> so no, I yeah. definitely uh, took the challenge and and uh, yeah, I built I built the hammerhead. Yeah, I'll definitely include a, a picture of this thing in the the show notes because if you're listening and you have not seen Dwayne as Hammerhead, I don't know if I'm revealing your secret identity or not, but I guess no, maybe. no, no, that's okay. that's fine. Yeah, the uh, Cape Crusader version of Hammerhead. I'll, I'll definitely put it on the site. So. Chickens in the houses, they got chickens in the trees. Chicken in the pots, the motto of the Petaloomies. Out in Petaloom, spending my days. Oh, I'm out in Petaloom, spending my days. Tell me, how many eggs will a chicken lay? Well, thanks again, Dwayne, for, for coming on the podcast. And it was a, a long time coming, so I'm glad we could finally finally sit down and do this. My, my pleasure, Steve. It was, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Dwayne for sharing his story and for his immeasurable patience. He was one of the first to reach out to me when I was getting this podcast off the ground, and I'm really glad to have finally gotten him on here. You can follow Dwayne's tenure as the Dark Lord of the Sith at Darth Hammerhead on Instagram, and if you're ever considering booking a tour at Rancho Obi-Wan, just go for it. You won't regret it one bit. As always, photos and full show notes are available in the episode post on the main site, StarWarsAtTheMovies.com, and if for no other reason, please head there to see Dwayne's amazing Kenner Hammerhead get up. You can keep up with all the latest for this project on Instagram at, at Star Wars at the Movies and the site's Facebook page. You can join in on the discussion on the Facebook group, and you can always feel free to reach me via email at starwarsatthemovies at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and remember... Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. <laughs> <laughs>